Shockingly, Jonah finds himself in the belly of a fish and not dead. Wow, it's in this place of unique solitude that Jonah has time to reflect and to see not only the error of his ways, but more importantly, that he is just as much in need of God's patience and mercy as the people of Nineveh. He also discovers that God is resolute in his commitment to the salvation of the people of Nineveh. Jonah may not want to go to preach to these wicked people, but God is not letting him off the hook. Jonah prays, asks for forgiveness, and then commits himself to the work that God asks him to do. Is God trying to get our attention? Are we ready to pray and ask God to forgive us for our coldness toward the lost? Good morning. I don't want to say thank you to everyone who wore their uh, mission shirt or costume. Everybody who's been a missionary has gone out from our church. Um, I don't care how many years ago it was or where it was, but if you have been sent out from this church to share the love of Christ with others, would you just stand up, please? Can we give all these folks a hand, please? Fantastic. Fantastic. And I want to say thank you to those who wore their, their T-shirts and their costumes and whatnot. This was given to me as a gift on the very last Sunday that we were in Burundi. And uh, I think this is my favorite. I've got so many of them now, but I think this is the one I like the best. What do you think, Thomas? It's okay? Yeah. It says Burundi right, Burundi right on there. Or Bujumbura. Yeah. So just in case I forget where I got it from, it's right across my belly. But speaking of belly, I was thinner in those pictures, eh? <laughs> I'm going back. <laughs> One of the wonderful things that happened when we were there, we were, uh, I think it was the very first church that we visited. Uh, at the end of the service, they presented this to us. In fact, what they did is they gave each of us a box, uh, a little smaller than that, with a gift in it, and it was actually Burundian coffee, which we're very grateful for. But this was sent especially for you. The church there, the, uh, I can't remember the name of the church, Harama, the Harama, they, I think I'm saying it right, but you, won't, you don't know, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but they, that church sent this to our church, and so one day when we have a trophy case, um, we're going to put it in there. But we thought it would be nice if we could actually bring it back the way it was presented to us. They went through a lot of effort to, to wrap the box, and it's actually very beautiful. And so here's what they have sent us. It's a million dollars. They sent us this beautiful basket. And uh, Burundi is known for its basket weaving. So it's absolutely beautiful. And we'll put it out here so that anybody can take a look at it. But we wanted you to see that. And as you, uh, as you can imagine, we won't be doing our thank you night it was, as we've done in the past. We wanted to do it in the morning and, and just make sure that everybody could be part of it. So again, thank you so much to everybody who participated in making it possible for us to raise funds to go to Burundi and to do the work that we've done there. Uh, it, it's absolutely thrilling. I wish I could take everybody to all the churches that are calling themselves Cross Church. We, we've got 40 churches, 40 Cross Churches in Burundi right now. It's unbelievable. 
And, and we went to, I think, about a quarter, 11 of them, so about a quarter of them. And there's others that are being planted, and they're following our discipleship method called the seven habits. And so we thank God for that. Thank God for the opportunity to partner with this group. In fact, we just got an email this morning. I don't know if you saw that. Is Dennis Weeben here? No? Uh, second service. But Janet, you saw it. And Delson is telling us about some property that they want to buy so that they can plant another church. It's a, a new and upcoming area. So uh, they're looking to Canada for partnership. So if there's anybody here that says, you know what, I, I want to be part of a church planting uh, opportunity, then just speak to us and, and we'll make sure that they get the funds. But another thing that happened while we were there, uh, they were actually, as we came to see their building or see the church, the, the men were actually working on the building. They were actually laying bricks as we arrived. And uh, I asked Delson, do they have money yet for for the, for the roof. All they do is they just buy sheets of steel, corrugated steel, and they said, no, they don't have it yet. And I said, how long will it take? They said, well, until they raise the money, they'll be having church with no roof. And so I said, well, we're going to help them somehow. So I think, I think that, the, that the cost just to put the roof on that church is about $700. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot of money to some of us. For some of us, that's a lot of money. But for them, I mean, we're this is like a year's salary for some of them. So if there's anybody here that wants to write a check for 700 bucks to pay for a roof so that a church can have a roof over their head, uh, you can do that. But there's so many needs, and what a privilege and a joy it is to be able to partner with these churches and making a difference in making disciples. Amen? Amen. So we are in Jonah chapter 2 now, and Jonah... Uh, has been swallowed by a fish. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 17 says, Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish, and he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. And by the way, didn't uh, Sheldon do a great job? Yeah. I just... From now on, whenever I hear the word seaweed, I'm going to think of Sheldon. <laughs> Jonah goes on in his prayer, and he says, I sank down to the very roots of the mountain. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. And those who worship false gods, they turn their back on all God's mercies. Did you hear that? That's the thing that marks us as Christians, is that we respond to the mercy of God. And Jonah says, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill my vows 
for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Wow, what a story. Jesus himself references this story. He says, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, you know the story, Jesus says, so the Son of Man, and that will be the sign, the Son of Man will also be in the depths of the earth, dead, buried, but then he will be resurrected. Jesus looks to Jonah, the story of Jonah, as true. Some of you may think of it as a myth, and it doesn't really matter to me what you think of it at this moment, but I'm going to tell you there is some important things to see here. Now, we laugh about it. We, we ended the service last week with this, but I'm going to just remind you. We laugh about it now, but the four of us, uh, Deb and Janet and Denny and myself, uh, we, uh, we went to Burundi, but Deb was the only one that was really excited about it. Um, it was hot, and we were tired traveling for 20 hours on air, by airplane, not to mention the time in the airports, and not to mention the time running to the planes and waiting in line. And uh, I asked Janet if I could share this, because it was actually, it, it actually, it, it broke me up. I, it really made me laugh. Uh, we were absolutely exhausted. We land in Burundi, and if you've ever been there or been to Africa, the air is thick with humidity. It's hot. We're surrounded by people. There's no rhyme or reason or order. There's no neat lines where you line up behind people. You just kind of push your way to the front. And I think the, the, the group was kind of shocked at me because I'm good at just pushing my way to the front. I lived in Greece for four years. That, that's what happens. And um, we haven't even got our luggage yet. And jo Janet says to me, I just want you to know, like, I'll never be coming back here. <laughs> we, haven't even, we haven't even begun our missions. We haven't even got our luggage yet. And she's made up her mind we she's not coming back. I think if you talk to her now, uh, you'd find that Janet is not Jonah. Uh, she would, in fact, return. And I got to tell you, I wasn't terribly looking forward to it. And, and Denny certainly wasn't. He was only going to protect Janet because if Janet's going to die, he's going to die with her. And, and that's the only reason he was there. Uh, but as it turns out, uh, and you heard him speak the Sunday we got back. Uh, I mean, I was just amazed at what Denny shared. Because God had done something special in him. And I don't want to leave Deb out because Deb was like the most spiritual one of all. Uh, she was so excited about it, uh, God used her, she was moved, uh, and I think Deb would go back in a heartbeat. In fact, I think she'd like to live there, but don't tell Greg. <laughs> we discover something very uh, strange and unusual about this prophet of God. Jonah is supposed to be a servant of the Most High God, the merciful and compassionate God. He's supposed to be the preacher of the gospel. He's supposed to be the one that reminds people that they should turn to God. But we discover, in fact, that Jonah is a bitter, racist prophet. He hates the Ninevites. He's got a bad attitude. He's got no mercy, and he definitely has no compassion. And so the question is this, Jonah, what on earth are you doing being a prophet? Go get another job. 
but he doesn't know or understand the heart of God. He does know and understand the hearts of the Ninevites because they have a reputation around the world as being the most cruel people that have ever lived. These are people that they'll bury their enemies alive. They will impale you and then leave you to, to die in the, in the sun. These are people that would behead you and burn you alive. They'll do whatever they can. And I couldn't help but, but think of ISIS as I was researching this. And I thought to myself, you know, there are some Christians that would like to see God deal harshly with those people who are actually lost. In fact, there are some Christians who feel the same way about Muslims as Jonah felt about Nineveh. What's even more shocking is that it would be just 20 years after God calls Jonah to speak to the Ninevites. Just 20 years later, the Assyrians, the Assyrian nation capital was Nineveh. The Assyrians would invade northern Israel and take 10 tribes into exile. And these 10 tribes would never return. In fact, the prophet Nahum indicts Nineveh. So there's no question about it. There is a clear and present danger to Israel. And so you and I would look at Jonah and we'd have to say, you know what, Jonah, I, I kind of agree with you. I, 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 think, I don't think God should be saving these people. In fact, why doesn't God just kill them all off and save everybody the bother? Today, folks, I want us to understand something. I want you to understand the resolve or the resolution of God. God's resolve is, is, is amazing. We, in fact, we'd have to call it amazing grace. We see in God his love, his mercy, it's tenacious, it's firm, it's unwavering. God does not back away from his will. The Bible says God is not like a man, that he should change his mind. And God's mind is made up. He's resolved that Nineveh should hear the gospel, that they should be given a second chance. He's determined that Nineveh should hear the gospel of repentance because, as it says in 1 Timothy 2.4, God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Did you hear that? God desires all people to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. There's some people that don't get that. They think God is a nasty, mean old God in heaven who, who hates the earth and he's got a big club and he's ready to slug you every time you make a mistake. He's ready to beat you down. But that's not God. It might have been God in Jonah's mind, but that's not the reality of who God is. God loves people. He loves good people. But shock of shocks. He loves bad people. He loves sinners. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Now, that's amazing that God would want to save these, these Ninevites, these, these beheading, mutilating, flesh-burning Ninevites. Does God really want to save them? Yeah. But, but just as shocking, just as surprising, God wants to use Jonah. Did you hear that? 
The loser prophet, the prophet who doesn't want to be a prophet. God's saying, Jonah, you may not want to do my will. You may not want to go to Nineveh, but you're going. You're going, sucker. <laughs> whether you like it or not, whether you agree or not, I don't care what you think about Nineveh, but you're going. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now, because here's what you and I need to understand. God ain't finished with you yet. You may think that you can do your own thing and go your own way. And if you're not a believer, well, you can. But if you are a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if, in fact, you are a Christian, then this is a game changer. Because the very essence of, of Christianity, the very, by very definition, to be a Christian means that you do the will of God. And so I want to share with you this verse, Jonah 1.17. It says, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I'll just look, at, look here for a moment. You'll notice that it doesn't say that God killed Jonah because he was fed up. How many, do we have any parents here? When your kids don't obey, you just, okay, that's it. Off with your head. <laughs> that's it. You've had your chance. You should have taken out the garbage, and now you're going to die. No. Actually, God sends Jonah to his room. Well, it's not Jonah's room, it's God's room. Here's what you need to know, is that God used this fish and the storm to get Jonah's attention. And, and here's the thing, you really cannot understand the life God wants you to live until you understand that God's people are predestined to do his will. Did you get that? And that's why I went to Burundi, and that's why Janet and Denny and Deb went to Burundi, and that's why so many of you have gone on a missions trip, because God, has, God spoke to you and said, go. I'm looking at my, the, my brother and sister, the Deb is here, and I see some of the team that went to the Philippines. What a fantastic, we got to go back. Why do we go? Why do we take time off? Some of us, it costs us not just the money that, to go, but the time that we took off of work. We went because it was the will of God. And here's the thing. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you understand that at the very core of this Christianity, of being a Christian, is that you do God's will. And Paul reminds us in Ephesians 2.10, we are God's masterpiece. Could you look at the person beside you? Just look, go ahead and look at that person. Isn't that a masterpiece? Some, some, I know some of you are thinking, that looks like a Picasso to me. <laughs> looks like something that would be on my fridge. <laughs> no, the fact is, is that every one of us here today is a masterpiece. And the reason I can say that you are a masterpiece is because you were created by God, and God don't make junk. You might think you're junk, and you might think the person beside you is junk. But the fact is, is that you're created by God, and God declares that you are a masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus. When you became a Christian, you became a brand new creation. The old Alan Duncalf is dead, and thank God. Thanks, Ray. And if you're a Christian today, then the old you is dead. And the Bible says you're a brand new creation. And here's what else it says. 
God has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things, do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Do you know that before you were ever born, God had a special work, a special plan for your life? And your job and my job as a believer is to discover what that thing is and to do it. And by the way, it's not just a one-time event. So people think, yeah, I found out 30 years ago what God wants me to do. But here's what you need to understand. It's an ongoing process. You see, God told Jonah that he wanted him to be a prophet. And he discovered that many years before. But now God has given him assignment. And here's what God does in our lives. It's day by day, moment by moment, year by year, month by month, week by week. God is giving us new assignments and telling us what we need to do and what we need to stop doing. God's got specific work for you and me to do. And some may not be sure what it is. And if you don't know what it is yet, then you really need to find out. And you say, Pastor, I don't know how to do that. Well, come talk to me. I'll help you. But the fact is, is that... Even as I'm speaking to you, the Spirit of God's speaking to you. And you know what it is that God wants you to do. God, you know how God wants you to be engaged. You know, what, you know the work that God's calling you to do, even as Noah knew exactly what God wanted him to do. Nobody else did. And that's so often the way it is. People don't know what it is that God wants us to do, but God does. And you and I need to learn that if we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ, then the very first, our very first priority is, is to say, yes, Lord. I remember commenting on a song. Yes, it was, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. How many of that went? Yes, yes, Lord. And I said to somebody, uh, actually it was to Carol, Carol Coomer. I said, oh, man, that's kind of a light song. It's not very heavy duty. And But she corrected me. She said, well, hold on a minute. It's a very good song. To say yes to God? And I, I stand rebuked. Thanks, Carol, who's hiding behind the pole right now. <laughs> it's probably one of the greatest songs ever written. Because this is the essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You don't say no to God, you say yes. Yes, Lord. And you say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes. Yes, Lord. You're prepared and you're willing to do whatever it is that God's called you to do because that's what it means to be a Christian. And by the way, this was the example of Jesus Christ, wasn't it? What do we, the very first thing, in, in, we read in Mark chapter 1, verse uh, 35, it says that Jesus is going off to a solitary place to pray. What's he doing? He's going to discover what? God's will. Where do we go next? What do we do next? God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to call? Where, what do you want me to preach? Where do you want me to preach? This is the example of Christ seeking to do the will of God. And then we find Jesus teaching us how to pray. And what does he teach us to pray? He teaches, does he teach us how to pray hysterically? Oh, God, I'm going to die. God, help me. I'm gonna, my, 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 my children, my bank account, my career, everything's a mess. It's a wreck. No, Jesus doesn't, pray, doesn't teach us to pray like that. He teaches us to pray what? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you, how do you pray? Is yours like a shopping list kind of prayer? And dear God, I want a new car, and I, want to eat, I like to lose some weight, and I want to fit into size 30. Four jeans? <laughs> yeah? 
and God, I'd like, a, I'd like to get some, uh, I'd like to get a nice new house, and I'd like to get a, a raise, and I'd like to get a, we got the shopping list as if God were cosmic Santa Claus. If you're praying like that, you are so off base and ain't even funny. As a Christian, you and I need to learn what it means to start praying according to the will of God, not according to our own will. You don't come to God and tell God what to do. How many know that God doesn't need you to tell him what to do? What needs to happen is that you need to get your mind aligned with the mind of God. You need to get your will aligned with the will of God. Oh, God, make me rich, make me happy, make me thin, make me, God, take away the wrinkles. God, give me some supernatural Botox. And God, let there be some supernatural, make my hair go the right color. And it's just, it's, it's utter nonsense how we pray. God is calling you and I to say, Father, not my will, but thine be done. And in fact, Jesus, as he's going to the cross, in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's that famous prayer as he's saying, God, man, I don't really want to do this. That might come as a shock to you. God, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. And he's saying, God, if it's possible, could you just take this away from me? But then he prays that famous prayer. And he says, Father, but not my will, but thine be done. Jonah tried to escape the will of God. I don't want to go to Nineveh. But here's what you need to know. Nobody can avoid responsibility when God calls us to do something for him. Did you hear that? You can't avoid it. If God's calling you to do something or go somewhere or be something, then you need to obey him. Because that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jonah learned it. Nobody can get away from God. Moses tried to. God, I can't speak on your behalf. You better send my brother. Get somebody else to do the job, because I can't do it. I'm not good at, in public. Play. I, I'm an introvert, and God, I can't speak. I stumble over my words. And then Gideon, he was just saying, God, you can't call me to do the job. I can't deliver Israel. I'm, don't you, I'm Gideon. Don't you know me? I, I'm from the weakest of the clan. I'm, I'm from the clan of Manasseh. I'm the weakest. And in my family, I am actually the least of my family. So God, you really have called the wrong guy. And God's not taking no for an answer. And Gideon tries everything in his power to get out of his assignment. And God's saying, no, you're not getting out of this. Just as he said to Jonah, you're not getting out of this. You're going to do exactly what I've asked you to do. Jeremiah, the same thing. Jeremiah 1.6. Jeremiah says to God, you can't get me to be a prophet. I'm too young. No one's going to listen to me. But God called Jonah, and he, just as he called Moses and Gideon and Jeremiah, and every one of us here today who calls himself or herself a Christian. Your job is to do the will of God. For most of us, if things are going well and we're free to do as we please, well, we do what we want. And it, it, it's a Christianity that could be defined as, my will be done on earth, as I hope it will be done in heaven. That ain't Christianity, folks. That's paganism. You and I need to learn what it means to say, God, not my will, but thine be done. And God, if it means going to Burundi and facing snakes, Denny, 
or facing humidity, Janet, or facing Montezuma's revenge, is that how you say it? I'll say no more about that. Right, Deb? <laughs> if it means speaking for 35 hours and flying 40 hours, I'm going to do it. Here's the amazing thing, friends. Because some of you are sitting here today and you're, you've, you've always wondered, why is it that God allows affliction and suffering in my life? Why is it, I thought that when I would become a Christian, I would be free of all that. And everything would be rosy and great and good. And, and why is it that I'm going through a hard time? Well, here's why. Paul learned this. Because when things are difficult and when there's affliction and when there's suffering, God gets our attention and we become open to what he really wants us to do. Paul said that. I prayed three times that God would take this thorn out of my flesh. We don't know what it is. We've, there's all sorts of speculation. I'm glad that we don't know because it, then we can all identify with it. But he said this. God didn't take it away. He allowed me to go through this affliction. And I have learned this, Paul says. I've learned that when I am weak, then I'm strong. Because God's grace is sufficient for me. Are you going through a hard time right now? You going through difficulty, a struggle? God doesn't seem to be answering your prayers. Actually, maybe what's going on is that you're in a fish right now. I love what it says there in Jonah 117. The Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. What kind of a fish did God prepare for you? Or what kind of a fish does God have to prepare for you in order to get your attention, in order to get you to do his will? Maybe you're in a fish right now. Marital difficulty, financial difficulty, career problems, friendship problems, temptation problems. And you ask yourself, how on earth did I get to this place? Can't you just see Jonah? I, I, I book a ticket on a cruise, and the next thing you know, I'm in the belly of a whale at the bottom of the ocean. This is just crazy. i got to get my money back. <laughs> the crew threw me overboard. Not to scare you, Laura and Scott, as you go on your cruise. You will know instantly when God's dealing with you. And if you're going through a struggle today, then God is, according to his amazing grace, he's calling you to respond to his will and purpose for your life. Because God has resolved that Nineveh be given a second chance. And God has resolved that Jonah be the one to tell them that. God wants to use you. He's resolved to use you to do his will. He's resolved that you do the work that he prepared for you in advance to do. To do the good things that he planned for you long ago. The question is this. Are you prepared and are you willing to say, yes, Lord? Are you willing to say, God, I'm willing to show up 
for duty. I'm willing to do what you want. Because quite frankly, if you are, if you are a Christian, if you're not a Christian, well then, you know, just enjoy the story. But if in fact you are a believer, then here's what you need to know, that you're not getting off the hook. God has got a work for you to do, and you must do it. You say, well, Pastor, on how then do I get back on track? Well, let me ask you another question. When's the last time you really prayed? When's the last time, you, like, I mean, really prayed in full surrender to God, sincerely, wholeheartedly, and, I, and you're saying, God, I'm, I'm serious. I really want to surrender to your will and purpose for my life. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you were praying for strength to fulfill your vows to God? Because here's what you need to know. As a Christian, you are called to obey him. I love what it says in Jonah chapter 1, verse 5 to 10. It says, Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God, and maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. But Jonah won't pray. He won't pray. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because he's guilty. He thinks God's not going to hear my prayer. Maybe it's because he's got wrong ideas. God's too mad at me. He'll never hear me when I pray. Do you think that? Too guilty to pray or that God's too mad at you? Or maybe you're angry at God. Maybe, maybe Jonah was just, just too angry at God. And everybody else is praying to their idols, but not Jonah. And then finally, the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused a terrible storm. And when they did this, the lots identified that Jonah was the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And Jonah answered, well, actually, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. And I love this. Oh, why did you do it? Why did you do it, they wanted to know. And since the storm was getting worse at the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop the storm? And Jonah said, throw me overboard. And then we come to this fantastic passage in Jonah chapter 2, 7 and 9. Look at this. It says, as my life was slipping away, let God speak to your heart right now, people. Let him speak to you. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. What's it going to take you to remember the Lord, to really pray? And he says, my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. And watch this, and I will fulfill my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Finally! Finally, Jonah prays. Finally, Jonah cries out to God. In this moment, he remembers his vows. He remembers that he's called to do the will of God. And when you become a Christian, you, you vow to obey God. But Jonah, really? Throw me overboard? 
Like, wouldn't it just be easier to pray? Wouldn't it just be easier on the deck of the ship to cry out to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up. I screwed up so bad. God, forgive me. Do we really need to be thrown overboard? Do you really need to be swallowed by a fish? By that fish that God's prepared for you? Oh, you know what I mean. It's not a real fish necessarily for you. I hope it's... I would stay away from the water. If there's anybody here that's not doing the will of God, I wouldn't go near the water. But God's got something prepared for you. And that's what it says there. God prepared a fish. Did you hear that? I, I don't think that this was any normal fish. I don't, in fact, I, I'm doubting that there's another fish like it in the sea that there's probably never one, been one before or since. This one's been prepared specifically for Jonah. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you are not responding to what God wants you to do, then God has got a fish prepared for you. And I would, I would beg you to not wait for the fish. I would beg you, while you're still on deck, bend your knee before God and confess your sin. Confess that you have not been obeying him. Confess that you're not where you need to be. And the Bible says that God is merciful and he's kind. Boy, it's only when he landed in the ice-cold, raging sea that he prays. He's like, okay, I'm praying, I'm praying. What do you have to go through before you pray and cry out to God? Jonah swallowed by his fish. And he finally surrenders to God. Can I ask you, what will it take for you to surrender to God's will? Even as I say these words, the Spirit of God is actually really poking you hard. Because even as I'm saying these words, you know that God's been speaking to you about certain things in your life. It may be something like this. You've got to forgive somebody. Somebody has let you down, they failed you, they've really hurt you, and you are not forgiving them because they hurt you and they don't deserve to be forgiven. And the Spirit of God saying, forgive them. Because if you don't, I'm going to send you to your room. I'm going to send you to the fish. I'm going to send you to the penalty box. I'm going to send you to the corner until you hear my voice. God's calling you to get involved, to serve. You say, I don't want to, I don't want to work with kids. I don't, want to be, I don't want to be in the parking lot. I just want to come, and I want everybody to wait on me hand and foot because I'm a king's kid. And I'm special to God. And God is by his spirit is speaking to you and saying you need to get involved. You need to get into a small group. You say, I don't want to, I don't need that. I don't, I, don't need, I don't need to be with other Christians and I don't need to study the Bible and pray with other people. I can do it at home. God and I are like this. Even though Jesus himself had a small group, you're better than, smarter than Jesus. Man, yesterday we had a funeral service here for Armando Castillo, who was in my small group. And boy, was it ever cool to see all my small group here to support the family. Maybe God's calling you to be a host of a small group or to lead one yourself. You're gifted, you're talented, God has given you ability, and you're not doing anything. 
and the Spirit of God speaking to you. Maybe it's just to invite a friend to church, or maybe it's to sign up for another missions trip. Or maybe it's to give. But you know that the Spirit of God's speaking to you, and God is not going to let you off the hook. So why be swallowed by a fish or a whale or whatever? Why be swallowed when all you have to do is say, yes, Lord, and then experience the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you? Is there a fish waiting for you? Don't wait for the fish. If the Spirit of God is speaking to you, then you need to do what Jonah did. You need to cry out to God and say, I will fulfill my vows. Would you say that with me? I will fulfill my vows. Say this, I will obey you, Lord. Or say what Jesus said, not my will. Funny how we know all this, eh? We all know, we know, we know all these verses. We're, we're really quite brilliant Christians when it comes to the knowledge, but it's the doing that's the problem. I'm just close with this. You know, when our kids were young, I'm telling you, this is, this is our parenting uh, method. If they were not compliant, if they were not complying in doing what we told them to do or asked them to do, then, then, then the whole world stopped dead. We are not moving from this place until there's compliance. We're not advancing, we're not doing anything, we're not eating, we're not going anywhere, we're not moving, we're not budging, we're staying put until there's compliance, until there's obedience. Obedience is critical, isn't it? It's critical. Until you say sorry, you're not leaving your room, you're not getting off that chair, you're not, you're not moving from that spot until you say sorry. Until you clean your room, until you finish your supper, whatever it is, you're not moving. We're not going anywhere. We're not doing anything. In essence, I was putting my kids in a fish, sending them to their room, putting them in the penalty box. And as soon as there was obedience, then life would resume as normal. Do you know that the Spirit of God works the same way with us? You may feel in your spiritual life you've hit a wall. Things aren't, man, it's just, I don't know, I lost my joy, I, I, I'm in a rut, I'm spinning my wheels. Does anybody feel like that? Don't put your hand up, please. But maybe you feel like that. Man, I don't know why I'm not advancing. I don't have the joy of the Lord in my life. I, I just feel like I'm just, man, I just can't move. I, I don't have my joy. And I'm going to tell you what's going on. You're not responding to the will of God. Jonah was in a fish and could not move, could not do anything. Talk about hitting a wall or being in a rut or spinning his wheels, whatever you want to call it, he ain't moving. It's not until he cries out to God and says, I will fulfill my vows. And then after Jonah surrenders to the will of God and says, I will fulfill my, God, my vows, look what happens in Jonah 2.10. It says, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. The fish vomited Jonah out. And there's Jonah, full of seaweed, 
Where's Sheldon when you need him? (laughs) And Jonah now can get on with the will of God. Let the Spirit of God speak to you. Because some of you right now, I think, may be in a fish. Or some of you are about to be swallowed by a fish. Because God is not going to let you off the hook. Why? Because he's resolute. He's resolved that you get that job done, and he's resolved that you're the one that's going to do it. God wants you to get the job done, and he wants you to be the one that gets the job done. Whatever it is that God's telling you. You need to forgive somebody. You need to pray for someone. You need to invite someone to church. You need to get involved. You need to tell Chris, yes, I'll be a host. I'll be a leader. I'll be in a small group. You could tell Janet, I'll get involved, I'll serve. Because God's not going to let you off the hook. Let's stand together and pray. Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you, God, for what you want to say to our hearts and do with us. God, we're amazed that before we were ever born, you had a special work for us to do. Some of us think that we're here by accident, that we're on this planet. My parents made a mistake. There are no accidents as far as God's concerned. God, we're here and we have a job to do. And we right now want to say along with Jonah, I will fulfill my vows. We want to say with Jesus, not my will, but thine be done. We want to say, yes, Lord. So God, we pray as we go from this place that our hearts will be filled with a brand new resolve, the resolve of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would be resolved to do your will on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it? Tell the person beside you, go do God's will or else.